Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. This is season five. This is episode 70, why narcissism is rampant in today's world. Narcissists are everywhere, and it's not just in the celebrity world. They can be hard to spot, but they do exist. Discover why narcissism is rampant in today's society and how to detect it with our guest, Phyllis Leavitt. Are you mystified why so many of us support the kinds of hatred and violence in our country that we would not want in our lives? Do you know that this is a result of a severe mental health crisis? The, the purpose is to repair. It's not to find out who's right and who's wrong. And that's where we're so off in our country. If we had a goal to repair our human relations, we wouldn't be where we are now. We would be listening. We would be wanting to, we would listen the way we want to be heard. We would doing, we would be doing to other people the things that we want to have be done to us. Phyllis, you're sharing with us today this topic about narcissism. As a therapist herself, she graduated from Antioch University with a master's degree in psychology and counseling in 1989. She co-directed a sexual abuse treatment program called Parents United in Santa Fe, New Mexico until 1991 and had a small private practice before going into private practice full time. She has been a psychotherapist treating children, families, couples, and individual adults for 32 years. She has seen so many cases and has come to this awakening with two other books she's written and her newest book called Bringing About America, Bringing America to Therapy, because she sees how rampant this issue is. And maybe because it's more prevalent and more acceptable to go to therapy, but even so, if everything was hidden, oh my gosh, like how rampant was mental health before therapy became the norm. She's worked extensively with abuse and dysfunctional family dynamics, their aftermath, and some of the most important elements for healing. The other two books that she's published are called A Light in the Darkness and Into the Fire, and she is gonna be sharing with us today her new book. So without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Phyllis, welcome. It's so good to meet you and have you here. Thank you for having me. It's just wonderful to be a guest on your show. Thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. You have so much experience. You remind me of my beautiful angel therapist who helped me in my darkest hour and confusion of getting out from the narcissist. So I'm I'm grateful that we're going to be talking about this, this epidemic, this what is this craziness where we have narcissists all around us. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Your book talks about that. And I actually want to read a clip from your blog on your website. And it, it shares, at the darkest time of my journey of recovery, I'm going to say that again because that was a funny cadence. At the darkest <clears throat> time of my journey of recovery, 
recovery, I made a miraculous connection to spirit, to a consciousness more profoundly loving than anything I had known before that communicated a wisdom about our human existence my own mind was incapable of knowing on its own. In my case, I have been blessed in that relationship with another consciousness that comes in the form of distinct messages that I write down as I hear them, some of which I have written about in two books, which I mentioned in your the beginning here is A Light in the Darkness and Into the Fire. Tell us more about that that dark moment and, and finding mm-hmm. a, like your illuminating hero awakening. Yeah, it's interesting that you started that way because I was on a journey of healing myself. And like I said, in a very dark place of healing from abuse in my childhood and and a very abusive, emotionally abusive marriage to a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And so I really relate on both levels, both the psychological and the spiritual. So basically what happened was I was keeping a journal while I was doing some very intensive inner work on basically trying to heal the primary wound that had resulted in me being attracted to people who weren't good for me, people who were all about themselves and unable to love, basically, which I think is the hallmark of narcissism. So I was in that place and I was keeping a journal and I was at a very low place in that journey. And I've always been a very spiritual person, but I had kind of turned to psychology because I felt that spiritual practice by itself was not healing this core wound. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it may for some people, but it wasn't at that time for me. And then the worlds kind of came together. I was writing in my journal and I basically said, I don't know what to do, God. I... I'm, I, was, I was having massive panic attacks and anxiety. I had a hard time sleeping. Sometimes I felt like I couldn't leave my house. And I wrote that in my journal and all of a sudden a divine voice, and I call it a divine voice because I, it is, began to speak to me about what my soul was doing in the form of Phyllis hmm. and what this was all about from a soul's perspective of this journey that we make in human form through these very human experiences where we're fragile and fallible and um, and also pop- capable of magnificent creations and consciousness. So that's what that was about. And, and one of the reasons why I'm kind of grateful that you started that way is because I see the whole world of psychology. And the book that I'm writing, as you said, is really about I don't, I haven't looked at, I haven't used the word narcissism actually in my book, which is because I'm, I'm not sort of like diagnosing what I'm talking about is dynamics, the dynamics of the individual, um, as they mirror what is going on in the country. Mm -hmm. So if we, I'm happy to use the word narcissism, the narcissism of abusers who are unable or unwilling to see the impact that they're having on the people that they exploit or hurt or vent their violence on or take from or condemn or ostracize, the narcissism that they exhibit and the lack of empathy they have for the people that they hurt is exactly what I see happening in the country. Yeah. That we have people in power who are exhibiting the same dynamics and behaviors with the same effect on masses of people that an individual narcissist or abuser in a given family has 
on their family members or a narcissistic employer or someone in in a position of authority over others. So how I see the world's coming together and then take off from wherever you want to take this is that I really believe that healing our psychological wounds, being able to love ourselves, make better boundaries around people who are not good for us or circumstances who are not good for us, and have empathy for the wounded part of all of us, which I think is part of what an empath has. I think where empaths often get stuck is they have empathy, but they don't necessarily have internalized really good boundaries of protection. Yeah. And so just the point that I wanted to make, and then you take off wherever you'd like to go, is that what I think is happening is that as we heal our psyches, we are more open to a greater awareness, a greater consciousness in whatever form that comes to people. And I think right now, and going back to sort of like the family therapy model, that the health of the family is a, has a large part to do with the health of the individual. So the health of the family of America has a large influence on the health of the populace of America. Hmm. As we, as we grow, as we heal our wounds, and as we make use of the things that we now know can heal some of our wounds, I believe we're open to an awareness that is, that really holds the value of the part in relationship to the whole and the whole in relationship to the part. And to me, that's part of a spiritual awakening. That's beautiful. So, yeah. I love that it is so entwined. And sometimes some people will not connect that, right? They just go 100% on the therapist route or 100% on the, the spiritual. But I really, truly right. believe it is intertwined. So yes. I, you kind of struck a question in me when you were talking about that the family system is I had a question about the narcissist. Is NPD something that starts, like is rooted in childhood? And what is that cause? Is it always trauma or is it what part of the family dynamic kind of creates a child to be a narcissist? Well, this is what I would say. Like, and this is what I, I hope could become part of just like ordinary life understanding and conversation is a healthy family doesn't produce raging narcissists. It doesn't. A healthy family has some eye on good boundaries, peaceful conflict resolution, mm-hmm. honoring the unique gifts and talents or whatever value of each individual while holding for the good of the family. None of us do that perfectly. We're all learning in this process of parenting and partnering for sure. But yeah. there's there's a there's a, a, a fundamental foundation of what's good for all of us. And, and, and that kind of a family system, as imperfect as it might be, doesn't produce someone who only cares about themselves. And I think that's true on the individual level. And I think that's true on the national level. So that makes sense because the the selfish parent or the emotionally unavailable parent or the whatever the unhealthy parent is, they're not thinking about the good of the whole of the family. They're thinking right. about themselves because they're still That's stuck right. in their childhood issues. Almost Right. Like so they either ignore their children mm-hmm. or they can be violently abusive and exploitive of their children or they abandon their children or they just give them terrible judgmental messages about their worth and their value. 
And those are some of the things that are happening on a national level that are frightening because the family of America is millions of people that are being affected by this, whether they're just hearing it on the media or they're at the direct effect of a discriminatory, abusive policy. Right. I love that. That's so important. Two things come to mind when you say that. The first one is some of our members in the Facebook group have shared that in their childhood, they were very sensitive. Impasse. I was too. I cried a lot. I didn't know why I was crying. I just cried a lot. Too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> a parent either just horribly abusive or neglectful yeah. or whatever it was would be like, well, I'll give you something to cry about. Like, mm-hmm. how is that going to stop whatever your child's doing if you think it's wrong? Like, that's right. horrible. Right. It's horrible. It's, it's not, horrible. It's not and how that's how. Parents should be doing anything moving forward. And, oh, we can't fix the past, but we can fix how we parent moving forward. Exactly. And I think you you bring up a really good point, which is abusive, narcissistic abusers, I'll use that term since that's that certainly applies, are punishing the symptoms that they've created. <laughs> right. If you hit a child and the child cries and then you punish them for crying, you are punishing them for something that you caused. And that's exactly what's happening in our country. The discrepancy in wages and income and health care, all the racially discriminatory policies that marginalize people and deprive them of opportunity. And then they're symptomatic, they're poor, or they commit crimes to feed their family. And then we punish them for that and label them. And that's exactly what abusers yeah. do. And so this, this is a, this is, this is an epidemic because to your question about how is this escalating like this, what I have found as a psychotherapist, and this is something I write about quite a bit in my book is that I'm not sure the average person is aware of. I think some people are, but I'm not sure the average person is, is that if left untreated, if a person cannot escape abuse and if they never get help for abuse, they're most likely, and certainly not, there's no one size fits all category for all people, but they're most likely to fall into two categories as they emerge into adulthood. And the first category is what we call in the world of psychology, learned helplessness. They learn to be submissive because that's what they had to do. They were overpowered and fighting back often produced worse consequences. So there's an there's an imprint of learned helplessness. And those people are more likely to be drawn to and dominated by people who will dominate, who are not submissive. Right. And the other outcome is the opposite. It's what we call, again, in the world of psychology, identification with the aggressor. So it's those people who have been hurt, who are like, there's nothing, I'm never going to be a victim again. And they identify with the aggressor and they often identify with aggressors. And so they become abusers or narcissists and they are attracted to narcissistic, abusive kinds of people in positions of power and support them because it boosts that feeling of power that was actually taken from them. Oh my gosh, I have so many revelations. Well, first of all, you're literally describing empath path, which I, I was talking about the light path, and you're describing the dark path, yeah. the narcissist path. And it's it's from the light, the lens of actual clinical studies. Right. And yeah, right. It's amazing. Right. 
when you say that that happened out in the world, right, in our culture, mm-hmm. it reminds me of what was happening with Fox and the whole like, oh, well, right, they were lying about the January 6th and then all these doc, they got sued. So then all these documents are being revealed and they, they didn't believe it, but they were like, well, they were the submissives, right? They were, they were the ones submitting to this powerful, abusive, I would right. call him leader. He who must not be named, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in fact, what you see is actually a combination. And I was going to say that next. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're rolled into one because there was submission and domination involved in that instance because, because there was an abuse of the American people by deliberately proliferating falsehood. Yeah. And so you have both. And some, sometimes a person, sometimes someone who's really been overpowered and is basically an, an empath by nature will tend to be more the submissive. But So there often, can be choices we make that are out of integrity, like you say, by being submissive just out of fear, right? Oh, he's in a blackmail. He's going to ruin us at Fox. Just absolutely. believing the verbal lies of the narcissist because that's what they do is they threaten you and they do all absolutely. those things. So. It's like and you have to rise up and be the hero and like have integrity. Like, why would you do right. that? American people. And be willing to take maybe some very unpleasant or even lethal consequences, which is what we see. There are people who do that. There are people who will march even if they're going to be tear gassed. Right. Um, but that is an, another keynote of of an abuser, whether it's in a family or a narcissist, whether it's in a family or an organization or a government, and that is that they do everything in their power to silence those who will tell the truth and yeah. out them. They will. And we see that on a massive level here in our country, and it's really frightening. And and that's part of part of why I wrote the book is because because basically one of the things that we are all conditioned to believe is that this great divide going on in America today is either the battle between good and evil or it's ideological. One person stands for this politics, another person stands for that. And my contention, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but I definitely deduce this out of my experience, is that it's not an ideological issue. It's not even a political issue. It's a mental health issue. Because mentally healthy people sit down and try to work out their problems with one another peacefully, with respect, with deep listening, or they try to learn how to do that. Right. And didn't why did that happen? I'm thinking when I was maybe a little child, did that happen in politics where the two parties would be able to come to some type of middle ground? Whereas at the point right now, they don't. So what happened? We, yes, I think, I mean, I don't know the history well myself, but I but with, there was a lot of talk about bridging the aisle. And right. you heard about politicians who were Republican and Democrat who would try to work together for the good of the people. And that, that's where it comes down to the part in relationship to the whole. And a narcissist or an abuser is not in relationship to the whole. They're in relationship to themselves. Yeah. And I think... Let me backtrack a little bit just to say this, because part of what I talk about in my book is that this is happening from the bottom up, which is the individual and the individual family, and the top down, big institutions that are run on abusive, dysfunctional dynamics, and they they weave together. And I've been a therapist for over 32 years, and I've worked with 
lots of people that I, I, I say it like this, they're just like you and me. They have families, they go to work, they don't commit crimes, they have friends, they try to do constructive things in their communities or whatever. But basic human beings like us who come from the most atrocious backgrounds, there is so much abuse in our country. There is so little focus on what's actually healthy for children and families and couples and people in the workplace. We have not, we are not people centered. We are very much money and power centered and sex centered. And I think that is what's mushrooming out into the mental illness that pervades our society today. Yeah. And it looks like narcissism. We're trained to be independent. That's the value. Like I can take care of myself when actually- Or like your parents only raise you till you're 18 and then they're like, okay, done, hands off. Right. Now we're going to go live our life, (laughs) whatever, which to some extent is, is, is healthy, but, but there's almost like a sexual attraction value on how independent can I appear? I'm not needy. I'm not, neediness is not attractive. And I, Mm. and I talk about this in my book also, because we're actually wired for love and connection. We're born that way neurologically. We have survived for thousands of years tribally. It's only now that we've somehow skewed, and I think it's also part of the narcissism to believe, skewed ourselves to believe that we're supposed to be these pillars that stand alone, and that's supposed to be sexually attractive. Yeah. And that doesn't feed intimacy and relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I always go back to the Native Americans and the mm-hmm. indigenous. I mean, they, they, I feel like they had it healthy. They had it right. They were together as a tribe. They were together supporting each other in the big long houses. They weren't like yeah. neighbors and not even knowing their names. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. And they were intimately connected to the earth. Yes. It's they all were. part of the same thing. And I think yeah. our lack of respect for the earth is absolutely part of the narcissism and the abusive dynamics that we're seeing. It is. So this all feels like doom and gloom. And a lot of times we don't talk right. about this on our podcast because <clears throat> it stresses us out because we have this right. specifically in our in our lives. Right. So before right. we go to commercial break, I want to, to caveat that. And I want to ask you, so we hold on to this thought, we're going to cover after a commercial break. How can we as an individual be able yeah. to fight this versus thinking yeah. that, oh, it's a collective and we have to, like, we just have to give up. Like, Are you ready for the number one thing that will finally repel the narcissist for good? When you are unaware of how you were conditioned in childhood and by your toxic ex, you find yourself lost and in cycles of pain and melodrama. The good news is you can break free from those. And in our Patreon, I am starting a new tier on Love Detox. This is a new experiment and I'm going to have it last eight weeks. We will meet weekly in order to have group coaching sessions and hold space for keeping you accountable that you are still remaining no contact with the narcissist. If this sounds amazing and you want to join in and grab all the tools that helped me remain narcissist free, literally in every aspect of my life, then you definitely want to join this Patreon tier 
to get your love detox on, to clear out the narcissist for good from your life by cutting cords energetically, removing them from your heart and your life, and creating more space for abundance and love to flow into your life. If that's you, then go ahead into the show notes and join the Love Detox tier. Right. No, absolutely. And that actually is the point of why I wrote the book. It's sort of like you go to the doctor to get the diagnosis, but then you want to know what can we do to heal and recover, right? And, And the reason why I wrote the book is because I think that the not that it's the only place, but I think the world of psychology and what we know about working with people holds so many answers of how to heal abuse dynamics that are not being used, that are not commonly known. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book, because really the answers are not that they're not complicated. They're not rocket science. They're things we know of what helps heal abuse in families and, or the after effects of abuse in individuals. Let's Uh, jump into that. What are those? Yeah. So like, if you look at, like, if you just have an individual that comes to therapy and they've suffered abuse in their childhood and, or, or in their workplace or in a relationship, and they really, they want help. First of all, that's the key. We have to know that what we're suffering from has the potential to take us out. We can't keep escalating toward violence and war and think we're going to survive. So the first step is really getting that I'm in pain. I'm not denying that I'm in pain and I want help for my pain. And I think as a country, we, we really need to face that. This, our country is in pain. People are suffering. And the mass murders and the children in cages are all symptoms of that. So when people come to therapy, the first, some of the elements that really are healing just to begin with, without even doing a process are, I'm creating a safe place for you to speak your truth, for you to tell how bad it was, what happened to you. But also, if you feel like there's ways that you haven't been so good to other people, it's safe for you to talk about that too. So the safety extends to the full range of human experience. It's not just like you have to present as, I'm just the victim here and I'm trying to recover, because most of us have hurt other people too along the way. So so the safe place is a place of non-judgment. And we're living in a society that's just run on judgment and negative judgment of other people. So we have to, we have to drop that and really have an attitude, which, which a good therapist does of, I'm looking for the core you, the essential you that was always there before anything happened to you, before Mm -hmm. you experienced what you did, before you did what you did. And I'm speaking to that. Because that's the core you, the essential part of you that is actually going to join me on this healing journey. And if you have ever been in the presence of someone who saw you that way, who looked at you, not through, you know, how you look and what you've done and how much money you make and all the rest, but they see you, that in itself is healing. And any of us can do that for each other. Any of us can do that for each other instead of judging and evaluating and criticizing. Okay, so that's one thing. That's that's building safety. Building trust is I can tell you anything and you will be with me and you will root for me to heal. Yeah. Not not 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in your corner. I'm rooting for you to heal. So important. And that's how we can start that in our families, with our children and our partners. We can start that with our friends. And then we can expand that out to, I would say even, we're so much on social media now, which can cause huge judgment, is being able to only block the actual robot scammers and be able to hold space safely for those who we disagree with. Right. Yeah, versus that, and that's the key and, thing. Yeah. That is the key. So especially if you're working with a family or a parents and children or a couple, that is the the next element of safety is that yeah. you create a container in which deep listening is valued, deep listening is supported, and and we help each other. We teach each other how to do that. So. We make I statements instead of blaming you, 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 you. Like, this is how I feel. This is what happened for me when you did blah, blah. This is what I need from you. Because one of the things that we don't teach our children, and I never learned at at all, is that, you know, we all want to be heard. Every single person wants to be heard, no matter where they are, right? But we don't give that to each other. So the learning is that... I need to learn how to listen to you the way I want you to listen to me. If we had that in Congress right now, we'd have a different country. Yeah, we would. We would. We yeah. would. So it's like we, we, we help people learn how to listen to one another the way that they want to be heard and to be received the way they want to be received and validated for something. Most people, unless they're really disturbed or they're really like, off the deep end in some, I don't know what the, I can't think of the word. They're just way out there on some end of a continuum. Most people have something valid to say mm-hmm. that needs to be heard. Especially and when it's so, an I versus them just reiterating some BS that they heard out in the world. Right. 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 Yeah, when it right. comes to the core of them. Right. No. So there's elements of repair that, and I, I, again, I outline these toward the end of my book, what the elements, because, because basically the point of good therapy, whether it's me alone in therapy, a couple, a family, children and parents, sometimes even friends will come to therapy who've had a fight. The, the purpose is to repair. It's not to find out who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. And that's where we're so off in our country. If we had a goal to repair our human relations, we wouldn't be where we are now. We would be listening. We would be wanting to, we would listen the way we want to be heard. We would doing, we would be doing to other people the things that we want to have be done to us. Yeah. Which is, again. How do you deal yeah. with someone who you are trying to have that conversation with, but they, they don't have the emotional tools? Like they kind of give a pushback and they start to blame you. And, and like, let's say you express an, I feel statement and they say, mm-hmm. well, I don't remember. I don't, get over it where you were deeply wounded. Like h- how do you deal mm-hmm. with that situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, where, where situations between people are really stuck, the best access that I have found is to work just with that person, maybe in the presence of the other person, depending on the situation. But mm-hmm really go into what the formative experiences were for them that led them to such a lockdown place or an aggressive place or a judgmental place because there's a wounded there's a wounded person in there and when you find that person you have access to their empathy 
And I have never found that not to be true. Now there's people we don't know how to treat. It's true. There's people I don't know how to treat. There's people that are so wounded or so, so you have imprinted such violence and such hatred in their nature that they probably need to be restrained or they do need to be restrained for the rest of society to be safe. Mm -hmm. But there are lots more people who could be helped. Yeah. Lots more. So definitely therapy with that type of person. Yeah. I've also heard that if you go to therapy with a narcissist, the narcissist will manipulate the therapist. And like, then it always kind of turns bad for the empath. Well, I would, I I can't judge another therapist. I think it does take years of, of experience to really be yourself as a therapist, not to have your own boundaries around what's happening in your office and be able to see clearly. Cause I've had people rage at me mm-hmm. and that happens not often, but it's happened. And so we have to do our own work. Everybody has to do their own work. We have to do our own work so that we're not a victim of the same dynamic that's happening between the two people. And, mm-hmm. and there are people in my practice, like I said, I've been in practice over 30 years I only had one client that I actually terminated with because their narcissistic rage was, I couldn't penetrate. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't willing to be the victim of that myself in my office. But for most people, for the, for most people, the wound is still accessible. Yeah. And, and if you, so you, you, you don't take it on, you move into what, what happened? Well, tell me about when you grew up. What was the role model of your parents? Mm-hmm. What are the where where did you take on? And I and I have done a lot of EMDR. I don't know if you've heard of that, oh, but EMDR yeah, is a mm-hmm. very powerful intervention for a single person, which really goes to the formative experiences that a person had, and it focuses on the negative ones because that's what we're trying to heal. Yeah, and the beliefs that you took on. So if someone said, well, you're fat and ugly when you're a kid and you took that on, it's not true, but you, it came to feel true. So mm-hmm. good therapy, EMDR, really identifies what those negative beliefs are and the ways that we learn to cope with them because that becomes the pattern of our life. Mm-hmm. I hid. I became a people pleaser. I made myself up to try to look like a different person. I dieted uncontrollably. Or whatever it was, right? Right. So you you try to undo the whole Mm -hmm. dynamic. And and you can. And that's the thing that I guess when we talk about hope for our country, it can be undone. we, We see people heal. We see people get better. We see people function better in their relationships or with their children or leave not good work environments and find a better place to be employed. So it's possible. It takes that one brave person to stand up to the bully in the highest form of power for the others, at least a couple others to kind of stand up in their power, be like, yeah, I'm not going to be controlled by this person anymore. And it's the same thing in our personal lives. Yeah. So it sounds very much like, My other question and or thought was, if so many of us empaths feel like we can heal the narcissist in our own intimate relationships, which I feel is a very dangerous slope to go down because you're enabling their behavior versus 
removing yourself and recommending them go to therapy or maybe that's your boundary like i really love you we should stay together but in order for that to happen you need to go to therapy is that Mm -hmm. kind of the only way that they can be fixed so there's there's hope that the narcissist can change but it's going to take a lot of work through therapy is that correct yeah and it doesn't i mean it doesn't have to be through therapy but that's the lens i'm looking through because that's the lens i'm really familiar with sometimes it's just the consequences are so great yeah that a person is willing to open up and change. But for, and does that make sense? So yeah, maybe the person- Yeah, because I mean, there's so many people out there in these groups that is like, can a narcissist change is a question I always love to ask. And everyone's like, no, mm-hmm. no, never, 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 never. Like kind of treating them like they're a serial killer that should be locked up versus right. maybe somebody who just needs <clears throat> real professional help or real consequences that pain them to hit rock bottom to shift. Just like us. Absolutely. And the, and, the, and the consequences, all of this is on a continuum. Narcissism is on a continuum. Consequences are on a continuum. Enabling is on a continuum. But for, for a person in a relationship with someone who they feel is narcissistic, just them making better boundaries. I won't do that. Um, or you need to go to therapy or we're done. Or some, but sometimes it's sometimes it's seriously like I'm not going to be in that argument with you. When you're ready to sit down and talk with me, I will talk with you if you're going to listen to me. So, so the healing for the empath, and and I say this in general too, like one person can change the step in the dance. Sometimes they can't. If the other person is just locked into their position, you may have to leave that relationship for your own health and well-being. But short of that, a lot of people will try. Like I had a friend years ago whose husband was, they had little kids and he was very alcoholic. And she basically said, and you know what that produces, that kind of family dynamic is not healthy for anyone. And she said, you stop drinking or we're done. Mm-hmm. They've been together for 40 years. He stopped drinking. The consequence mattered to him. Mm-hmm. and. And what I say for our country is the consequence is now that we have escalating mass murders. The consequence of mental illness in our country, we need it to wake us up. I'm actually not safe going to the grocery store. I don't think about that when I go to the grocery store, but you never know. None of us are really safe in this climate. Right. So the, the hope is that we can feel our pain in a constructive way. I think we have, we're in a society that tends to numb it out and downplay it. Like you're buck up, you should be, get over it, move on. But actually part of, part of good therapy and part of healing is feeling our pain in a safe place with the goal of repair. Yeah. Here's a question and it's going to go political, but that's just our last political question. My, my Mm. lovely empaths. So don't worry. We can all fix ourselves individually and it'll all ripple out. So you don't have to fix the world around you Mm -hmm. and be upset. But the the question I have is so, so many people like you're talking, I feel like you're talking about the gun laws and the stances and people, I think all agree that there shouldn't be any more mass shootings, but we can, some, the certain parties continue to support people who are held or want the money from the gun lobbies so therefore putting everyone at risk and let's say they don't but then they're let's say they're 
there's like one aspect of that person they vote for that they agree with, but all the other five reasons that they are for, they disagree with. Like in your perspective as a therapist, like how do we shift that? Like how do we shift people to be more intent, to have more integrity when they're voting or, you know what I mean? Like it's like a one mm-hmm. issue that they vote for this horrible idea of still having guns, let's say for instance. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's a multifaceted answer to that question. I don't even know if I have all the answers, but if I stay with the lens that I have, I think as a nation and as individuals, and I'll, I'll segue from this, but I think we, what we need to look at is that there's a gap between what we all want for ourselves. I want to be safe. I want to have enough food. I want to live in a safe place. I want to have heat and light and and I want to have a community around me that is supportive. We all we all want that. I have never met one person that didn't want more love in their life. I've never met one person who wanted more hate or more violence ever. Right. And I've never worked with anyone who uncovered that desire. When we peel back the layers, we all want more love and connection and safety. And there's a huge gap in our country and around the world between what we want for ourselves and what we vote for and what we condone be done to other people. And I think as people work on themselves, as, 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 as I know, as I come to know, which I think really good therapy is part of, this is part of really good therapy. The work is with me. I'm, I'm what I have the most control over. If I want to relate to my partner differently, I have to start with myself. I can ask for what I want from my partner, but I have to start with my own solid stand inside myself, my own values, my own whatever. And then I try to bring that out into the world. So in, so if we're, if we're talking about how I don't know how you get people to change their vote. I think they have to, we have to start with like an attitude of healing. Correct. Hold on one second. Yeah. Bring the umbrella home. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. The healing, the healing individually. And it's just a matter of one more. Yeah, I just wanted to throw in one more thing. And education, education, we have to know that inside the worst perpetrator is a victim of something. Mm -hmm. So we need, I, I can't say this loudly enough, we need a criminal justice system that is oriented toward rehabilitation. Like I said, there are people we don't know how to rehabilitate. I get that. And there are people that are not safe. But there are so many people who who have been so deeply wounded, who end up in the criminal justice system and they, they haven't had a chance at life. Yeah. So it's, it's multifaceted. We have to like look at for healing on whatever level, whether it's economic policy, whether it's religious, real religious freedom, whether it's gender equality. Body autonomy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Body autonomy. There you go. Yes. Yeah. But it starts yeah. with ourselves. And there, yeah. every one of us could smile at a stranger. Every one of us could say a nice word to the people we interact with in the store or on the phone. Every yeah. one of us can do that. And the power, too, is within that we can vote. Like, I remember growing up being like, I'm kind of like par- impartial to voting. Like, what does my vote matter? 
But that's yeah, that kind of victim mindset, right? Of like, oh, well, the bad guy's going to always win. They have always won. And their narcissism is always in politics. So I give up. Right. Like, no, we can't right. give up at this time and juncture. Right. We all need to place our votes to protect each other, work together. Yeah. And that's part of learned helplessness. What does it matter what I do hmm. when in fact one person can change the whole day of another person just by greeting them with warmth and appreciation? Like, oh, thank you so much for whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, such a wonderful conversation, Phyllis. I really appreciate you being here. Share with us, you mentioned your book. So where can we find your book and remind us of the title again? And yeah, the two books that I wrote already are A Light in the Darkness and Into the Fire, and they're both on Amazon. And I have a website, www.phyllislevitt.com, and I'm on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook. Those are the main places where I post. And on my website, there's a place you can sign in with your email address, and that way I can let you know when my new book, which is called America in Therapy, comes out because I'm, I'm really excited for that to come out. So Perfect. yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Yay. Yeah. And if you sign up, I'm sure you guys can join her review team, right? Get, get them reading and mm, yeah. review. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, your wonderful podcast host. <laughs> so thank you <laughs> thank so much you. for all your great questions and great feedback. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you being having such a beautiful, gentle approach to talking about a really difficult topic that a lot of us empaths mm. avoid. <laughs> right, 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 right. And we have power because we love, right? And that's the greatest power. Yeah, we have the power. Voting with mm -hmm. love and participating in your community with love and yeah. I just have to share one more sweet story that it's, it's it inspired me so much. My daughter is seven, my youngest. And one day that list last weekend, she just drew, she loves drawing pictures. And she said, I want to deliver these to my neighbor. And I was like, Aww. okay, sure. And so we went to, and I didn't realize she, she went to, she had two of them to deliver. I thought it was just the one neighbor that they play with. And it was so sweet. I was like, this is what we need to be doing. Con connecting with our neighbors sharing yes. them just a little bit of light and love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can I share a sweet story too? Yes. Do you have to? Yeah. So I was out to dinner with my husband and my daughter, who's a grown woman. And the waitress that came to our table was clearly in a bad mood and very unfriendly. Mm -hmm. And it could be unpleasant, right? You go yeah. out to dinner, you want to have a nice evening. But instead, my daughter just looked up at her and she said, are you having a bad day? And the, and the, I don't remember what the waitress said, but it was something like, yes, I'm having a hard time. And then her mood completely shifted. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know one act of just connecting with another person where they are yeah. could change their whole, their day, their week, their whatever. I mean, it was really beautiful. I so, love that. Like to, She yeah. just felt so seen, especially as, as waitresses. I think exactly. people treat them like so poorly, like they're servants. Right. Aww, she felt seen. And that is the key that we it. see each other, that we yeah. see each other with empathy, with empathy. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So now we know the reason why narcissism is rampant in today's world. We're not working as a team in the world. Everyone is working towards scrambling 
be on the top, scrambling to get their money, scrambling to beat other people, and ignoring their trauma, to be honest, and just letting the ego rule the roost. It reminds me of a show that I just recently watched on Netflix called The Bonfire of Destiny. It is a French film. I absolutely love foreign films, and especially period films. And after a devastating fire in 1897 in Paris, three women find their lives upended by betrayals, deceptions, and romantic turmoil. It's quite amazing. You should go watch it. But in this fire, the men were literally beating women back in order to save themselves. There was one exit. They were trampling women, pushing them to the back, and running off to save themselves, these male aristocrats, which reminds me of the narcissistic mindset. So how do we fix this in our society? Well, first we start at home, and then it will ripple out. So number one is create a safe, non-judgmental space. Create a safe, non-judgmental space. Number two is use I statements. I feel when you do this, it's very disrespectful. I feel sad when you do this. I feel disrespected when you yell at me when I get some minor detail wrong. And I feel it's inappropriate. Number three, draw boundaries. Number four, there are consequences when the boundaries are crossed. And all of those are custom to you in your situation. And I hope that this has inspired you to draw those boundaries, to not enable the bad behavior within your family, within yourself, within your children, and it will ripple out so that we can shift. We are entering into the, the incarnation cross era of the rise of the sleeping phoenix. We need to rise up. We need to wake up and do it through love. Vote through love. Our vote matters. And the more of us who are pushed down and oppressed by the narcissist, when we vote, we speak up, we do the right thing, it will inspire others to be brave, to also do the right thing. So press on to your empath and, and be brave, women and men, sensitive empaths in our bravery. And when we rise up and shift into integrity, then and only then will we be able to shift our society. I am so stoked, had two amazing coaching calls this week and just wanted to put it out to the universe. If anyone else needs to talk one-on-one about their situation or get your human design chart read, I am happy and willing to listen and guide you. If you want personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community and receive sparkle reminder inspiration every Saturday and strategies to heal from narcissist abuse. Plus, get your free human design chart summary and free 20-minute support call with me. As soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours. I'm so grateful for you listening finding the show and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. 
take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need What you need We're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe